right, so sitting here with Dan Webb at South by Southwest, you may see Dan's blog, danweb.net. He writes about JavaScript, Rails, web standards, all kinds of things. Part of the at media conference with Vibivit for a while, and now doing his own gig, which we'll hear about. So tell us, what are you doing now? You've made a few changes in the last couple months. Yeah, um, after sort of being part of Vivabit, I've left Vivabit, and um, and now I'm just a, a mercenary programmer, really. Um, <laughs> still, 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 sort of um, spending quite a bit of time maintaining event wax and and uh, working on that, but also uh, doing a sort of whole host of uh, various people's startup social projects. Is uh, is what's going on at the moment, really? So, event wax was you came up with the idea or at least you implemented it and it's for people who are running conferences to let people sign up notify them about the dates of the conference and take their money and provide a list to the conference organizer right yeah i mean um essentially um the first um at media which happened in 2005 in london um patrick actually ran the whole thing uh, with an excel spreadsheet um, and, and sending out all of his invoices manually and um, tracking the, the paid status of all of them and all of this kind of thing. Um, and obviously, um, that conference was only 350 people. Um, after, after the next year, it was um, around 800, 850 people. So, um, you know, that, that wasn't going to scale. So when I got back from travelling, I joined VivaBit and we sort of started on getting a solution that just worked for worked for us really at that time and sort of part halfway through the process we thought we could really you know make it available to everyone else um, so the first version was our own private version that, and, and we actually you know ran at media 2006 through it and then shortly after that we released this public version kind of thing so um, yeah it was you know the, the classic cliche of uh, scratching your own itch now, a lot of people are using it right now. I just signed up for the New York Ruby conference, Go Ruko, and I was even going to use it for a workshop I was going to teach. But but a lot of people are using it, yet you're not really charging for it yet. You're still kind of making sure that it works for all the kinds of things people need it, need it for. Yeah, um, it, it, it's kind of a beta version, although we're not calling it that. It's um, We're just, at the moment, you know, gathering even more things because... Um, we need we need as much feedback as we can because everyone runs their events really differently. It's a very tricky area to uh, to uh, you know try and force assumptions on people about how they run their events. Um, so yeah, we're we're doing that. Then quite soon we we are going to start charging, but it's going to be quite a, an in, enhanced surface from what we've got now. There's a whole load of new features coming in. Now it seems like that kind of thing could also be useful for other types of events, not even just conferences. For example, running races or bike races or things like that, do you have any idea of using it for that, or are you going to stay focused on conferences? People already are using it for oh, they are? Okay. strange stuff. Um, it's quite interesting sort of, you know, watching uh, watching the uh, registration pages appear for all kinds of stuff, and it's even getting, um, I mean, we, we sort of intended it initially to, you know, be for the English-speaking um, parts of the world, but actually um, looking on there, there's been events in China... Japan, various parts of Asia, um, really a lot of users from Spain as well at the moment. Um, and yeah, it's for all kinds of things. We've had weddings on there, loads of people's birthday parties, 
we, we released it just around Christmas, so there was enormous amounts of uh, Christmas parties all around the world that being uh, done on there. And um, so, yeah, it isn't just for conferences, really. Um, we're amazed how, um, you know, how it's being used for all kinds of things, which is, which is good, really. So people would actually charge for attendance to their birthday party, or it's just used as an oh. RSVP to let me know that you're coming? Yeah, and um, because a lot of the stuff it does, it's, um, it's quite good for managing your attendees once they've registered. So um, it's really easy to, you know, email all of your attendees, track, um, and it's got an invite facility as well, so you can use it as a, RF, R, a RSVP machine if you want. Um, so yeah, it's seen quite a lot of use like that. Exciting! So that's just eventwax.com. It is, yeah. People want to sign up. Is it? So you were in, involved in at media fairly early on. Like you say, it only started in two thousand five, but now it's become quite a popular conference and several it's there's going to be one in San Francisco and also Hong Kong in addition to London this year it always seems to me to be a, a great idea to if you're starting some kind of product hook up with people who are already famous in those topics let their fame drive the popularity of your event it seems like you really did that with at media it wasn't just anyone who wanted to submitting a talk proposal you actually sought people out and said would you come speak at this Oh yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you know, like it's it's very much Patrick's baby, um, and I and I and I sort of help out, have helped out to a greater or lesser extent. Um, but yeah, the the when the first ad media happened, um, at the time me and Patrick were sat in a pub, and we were just going, you know, we we should get all these people over here, and. Uh, so the week went by, and, and the, the you know we got quite drunk towards the end of the night, and um, we were like, okay, Pat, Patrick has said, right, I'm going to I'm going to email Zeldman, and if and if Jeffrey Zeldman is up for it, we're doing it. Um, so he did um, do that, and but in that same week, um, I actually decided with my wife to go travelling for the year. So we met up the um, the next week in the pub, and and, and Pat, uh, Patrick's like, right, I've got this really um you know i've got news and i was like i've got news and he goes i've got zeldman and i'm so do you want to do the conference and i was like oh well i'm gonna go traveling for you um but he yeah but he went ahead on his own and sorted the whole thing out and it was a resounding success so yeah i mean um that was that was how it started it was all on uh, it was all on jeffrey zeldman deciding to come over to england and that's what triggered the whole thing and it started in a pub of course Many things start and end in the pub in London, I think. <laughs> it's surprising it took until 2005 for a big event. Were there other web conferences in in, in the UK? I, to be honest, I, I don't know. There was none that ever, you know, we ever came across. And we were, yeah, like sat there going, why hasn't anyone done this? Is there something wrong with England that doesn't, you know, what? <laughs> did people try and fail? Or well, um, but I think it... No one did. I mean, in 2005, the web standards thing was pretty new, but, you know, we knew that we were pretty confident that um, it would work, and, and Pat, you know, Patrick was confident enough to lay out all of the money to do it, and uh, so, um, and it did work in the end, so it, which was great. Now, you said you went on a trip around the world. I actually, when I was in Sydney, Australia, 
everyone was talking about when Dan Webb lived in Melbourne for a few months. That I think that was a national event down there, and they're looking for you to come back sometime. I don't think they've ever heard anyone swear so much to be honest. <laughs> That's why they... I think apparently there's an a, a impression of me swearing in an English accent that, uh, that, that still goes around. But, um, yeah, it was a great time, really, really great people over there. And it was, um, I met up with a lot of the WSG people in Melbourne. Um, because I, w- Web Standards Group, yeah. okay. And, um, yeah, and every, you know, I think they were ahead of, of the UK for the social side of things. Um, and now uh, WSG happens in London, and um, you know. So, um, but yeah, I, I just got over there, and I really wanted to meet some new people and stuff like that. So I posted on the Web Standards Group, and and then you know, all went for a beer with all of them, and it was uh, yeah, it was a good time. Another thing you've worked on recently: unobtrusive JavaScript plugin for Rails. You talked about that at. RailsConf in London. I want to ask a little bit about that, but first, UGS, what is it? What does it do? Um, essentially, uh, it's an attempt to um, turn the the uh, JavaScript helpers in Rails into something that's uh, a little bo- a little bit more robust. For um, essentially, um, the idea of unobtrusive JavaScript has been covered quite a lot in the past, and it's um, the idea of building a working application and then layering on. Your, your JavaScript in such a way that if JavaScript doesn't work, you, the application is still usable. Um, the, Jeremy Keith is one of the people who's you know kind of a, one of the, the spokesman for it at the moment, and you know you can catch him speaking a lot and about this subject. And you know at the time when I came to it, I, I didn't, I wasn't saying anything new. Um, it's it was all um, in the JavaScript community. It was by that point it was definitely the way to go and in, and in a sense I felt that Rails JavaScript helpers actually like rewound that a bit and made it okay for people to uh, write stuff that worked without, you know, that just failed without JavaScript which was a real shame um, so myself and Luke Redpath who's also uh, another London developer um, we're working on separate things but um, actually teamed up to do the final unobtrusive JavaScript plugin and then yeah I sort of spent last year going to various conferences and uh, you know playing our wares kind of thing and uh, it, it seems that you know people are quite receptive to it Now when I started just learning about Ajax trying to learn about JavaScript too I was doing a lot of Perl and so I tried to write it wasn't, I don't know if this would really count as unobtrusive but instead of just using a useless link for the href, I would actually have it just redirect to a page saying, you know, this app needs JavaScript, so if people had it off, at least there would be some kind of message, and they would know that that click really worked. So, as I say, not really unobtrusive, but then it was surprising to see the default way that Rails is set up, and in many spots, if you don't have JavaScript, then you just get you know, the, the anchor tag, and it doesn't really go anywhere. So with your plugin that's made it so that it really uses the features that are already in Rails with respond to different kinds of content and then do something meaningful. Yeah, I mean, um, actually, some features of Rails make it very, very easy, easier than it was yep. before to do um, sort of uh, unobtrusive JavaScript techniques and respond to is the real 
the you know at the crux of that whole thing. Um, and respond to is incredibly useful for you know um, just getting this whole uh, progressive enhancement thing going. But um, yeah, which, which was why I really have always been sort of interested in getting unobtrusive JavaScript with Rails going. It was like it was nearly there, but it it wasn't quite. And we were just trying to um, um, you know take it the extra step further. Um, there's a lot of people using Rails who were really who were new to JavaScript, and and I felt like where it's the um, you know the angel on your shoulder in every other side of of coding a web application, it promotes unit testing, it you know promotes the separation of concerns and DIY and all of this stuff. It it really was encouraging programmers to do bad JavaScript, which was a shame. Um, yeah, so I think it's just one attempt. Um, you know, our first attempt to you know get around this and go go working with it but I'm you know sort of you know starting to formulate quite a few new ideas on how it should all sort of go together so it's all like a you know a fluid thing and um but we're getting there with it and it's nice that ruby is flexible enough that you can override all those built-in methods and have existing code still work but you have new behavior that that works better that's it it's um there, there's a definite trade-off though i mean it, it's shooting at a moving target, really. That, like you, if you're writing a Rails plugin, every internal method that you try to override or augment in some way will um, possibly, you know, it's another point that could break. Um, so it's sort of nicer to not have to do it. But it's great that you know we can. It's great that we can override whatever we need to. And I think uh, I don't know. DH, DHH said about us and mentioned in a blog post. He said, "Oh, it's a." Uh, good to see that people can do things that they want without necessarily having the blessing of the core team kind of thing uh, which is like i don't know an so interesting they didn't give comment. you confidence that he wanted to include that in core he, he wanted to just leave that separate yeah i think they do i mean I, I don't want i don't want anything like that in core really um i'd much rather have um the existing javascript helpers removed from core oh so have any kind of javascript Integration be a separate plugin. Yeah, because it, it, it could it's it would be very easy to pull that out, and I, and I think um, you know it doesn't need to be there. And people who want to use it can, but at the moment it's very with all of that stuff in there. There's one or two things that make it very difficult to work with other JavaScript libraries. Um, and it, and, and like if, if you want to use Yahoo, MooTools, Rico, some of those other third-party ones, that's it. And you know it's and people do, and because they've all got their sweet spots and. You know, prototype sweet spot isn't necessarily what you need for every application, and I th- so yeah, I, I'd just like to see it removed, to be honest. And, and and I have heard that that might be happening. I don't know where from though. I can't qualify that. But, uh. <laughs> now you're you gave a presentation in RailsConf in London, talking about an intrusive JavaScript, and it was so popular. The room was full. They had to kick people out and then you gave the talk again at lunchtime the next day or, or something like that and probably even more people attended why do you think that was so popular I, I've no idea to be honest I was um, you know I, I sort of obviously I pitched the idea because I thought people would be interested um, but it was a bit overwhelming really there was um, in, in a way though I think the first session they put me in probably one of the smallest rooms so and, they didn't and, think it was going to be 
popular. No, no, I was in it. It was like was some a, guy a, talking about standards JavaScript. We'll give him a small room. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was like a thirty-person room, and and I think that you know the thirty people who got in, and then there was like another eighty or ninety who didn't get in. I think that increased the notoriety of it, and then oh. you know, so uh, you know, the hype worked in the end. But it was good to see that people are, you know, interested in doing things right and, and you know, and, and sort of you know, thinking about these things in a different way, which is good. So. Did, was that reflected in the next few weeks? Did you get a lot of emails or, or notice a lot more downloads? Yeah. Or were they just, list, did want to hear about it and then never actually used it? I mean, to be honest, I think that's when everyone actually started using UJS was after that, I, I, it seemed... That, you know the the amount of emails that got just leapt up, and then we ended up starting like a Google group and all that kind of thing about it. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was a um, it was a big deal. And I did the similar thing in um, the Ajax experience in Boston as well, and and uh, somewhere else I think I can't remember anymore. But yeah, you know it was good too. And then I'll link on the uh, podcast blog, but you have a site especially for that too. An obtrusive Java. It's um, ujsforrails.com. Okay, ujsforrails. And um, yeah, we that does need a little bit of love at the moment. But we really tried to sort of, you know, really put quite a lot of documentation up there, and and um, we, yeah, you know, and because it's because um, the UJS plugin is not really um, what it's about. That's just what enables. You know, makes it easier to write unobtrusive JavaScript. It's um, my presentation was actually I was aiming more to get the idea and the concept of unobtrusive JavaScripting across rather than you know tout our little thing that we'd done. If you know. Okay. Um, and and uh, and yeah, and I'd like you know, it's not the only way to write unobtrusive JavaScript in Rails as well. I mean, and, and if anyone else has any other ideas about how to do it then you know that that's good it's sort of whatever works for you but it's it's definitely about the philosophy really so as we started at the beginning you've gone solo recently doing a lot more freelancing why did you choose to do that um i've got um a short attention span <laughs> i was trying to say <laughs> But not in a bad way. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a magpie with technology, and I'm really interested in new things, and I like to, you know, work on lots of new stuff. And and I think, you know, I definitely really wanted to continue working with Rails and with the sort of latest cutting edge JavaScript stuff. And and I think being a freelancer in, at the moment is the much more effective way of uh, getting to do that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's been really good. You know, interesting projects um, ever since I've started, which is yeah, great. So did you have a lot of work lined up to start with, or did you just say, starting from now, I'm I'm going to hunt out some clients? Um, I had we had like um, an end date where we were um, going to move out of our office, kind of thing, and that was going to be you know when I started going freelance, and um, I can't remember how it happened. Um, I, th- I I basically got work through my site. Um, or, you know, word of mouth or whatever. And, yeah, I, I started work on my first project, like, literally that day. Um, so, yeah, it's all, it's all okay at the moment. So a lot of people have written in, and sometimes I, I, sometime I hope to do a podcast on freelancing, but 
as you know, a lot of Rails developers are freelancing or working in small teams. Do you have any advice for people who are are going to get out and, and do the freelancing thing, either advertising, accounting, promotion, actual technical advice? Um, I think um, it's almost a, a given because everyone says it, but I think it's really important to come to things like South by Southwest and, and, and get out there and, and meet people because that's where the best jobs come from. You, you're much more likely to find an interesting job, you know, talking in the corridors and South by Southwest and, you know, sitting there at the end of a phone and, and you're much more likely to meet with clients that get what you do, um, you know, because jobs come about as a result of a conversation and stuff. So... Um, you know, I, I'm financing my trip over here myself, and, and I think it will, you know, be more than worth it. Um, and I'd recommend people do the same. You know, you don't need to travel all over the place, but um, we've, you know, user groups and everything, and you, wherever you are, are invaluable. I, I've got a lot of work through that as well. You know, meet people at user groups. Um, yeah, and I think the second thing is, if you're working on your own. Um, it's really important to stay on top of new developments in technology and be really, really um, force yourself to learn new things all the time because you're not working with colleagues who will show you new things and introduce you to new, new stuff anymore. So it's it's all on you to teach yourself. And um, I've seen a lot of freelancers that work for years doing the same thing and all of a sudden find themselves obsolete. And, and there's no need. I mean, um, you just need to be on top of it. So that. That's what I'd say. <laughs> That's good advice. I was thinking even just this last week of, oh, you know, I shouldn't be spending time reading Dan's blog talking about the OpenID plugin. Uh, you know, that's a, a waste of time. I should just be working on actual client work that I'm billing for. But in a sense, I mean, it's all the same thing. If I'm not learning about new technologies and how to implement things, then I'm not going to be able to do good client work that's current and relevant either. Yeah, um, well, and for me, um, the, the new and you know sort of more cutting edge stuff um, is the most interesting thing to work at so if you if you know that stuff then you get those projects and um, and also there's the whole supply and demand thing uh, you know if you're an early adopter um, then you're one of only a small people who knows about these things um, you know there's I suppose everyone in the Rails community um, to a certain extent is an early adopter and is sure. enjoying being part of a very small pool of developers at the moment which is good for us so. pulling together the whole conference idea too I can't how many I can't count how many people I've sat next to who are carrying on a conversation and someone says oh yeah I need a an ar a artist or front end guy and oh hey I need a back end guy and, and now they connect and maybe work on a project and it's not just meeting actual clients sometimes when you're a specialist you meet other people who are, are going to subcontract out to you or hire you for your specialty, and that's as value as valuable as meeting actual clients. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And the other way around, I mean, I, I, I always think, um, you know, if you're on your own, then sometimes, you know, you can't be an expert at everything or, or even most things. So it's really great to have, you know, a, a whole group of people around you that you can call on if you need to, you know, do various things. I, I, I always... I have a lot of you know friends who are designers or um, you know a few people who are good with Linux or whatever, and it's great to have you know those people to call on if you need. They've uh, got me out of a lot of uh, trouble in the past, which is great. <laughs> yeah, 
Speaking of trouble, you've got me into trouble by uh, when I was in London. I saw that you were using some uh, nice sneakers, nice trainers as part of your example, and I ran out and bought some 150-pound sneakers immediately after. I know uh, Thomas Fuchs has done some work for Gucci. What's the chance that you'll uh, do some web development for Bathing Ape or Nike or I am a big trainer company? A year years ago, I did work on the Nike site. Really? Lot, yeah. Um, I used to work for um, quite a big agency called AKQA. So um, as a, as like a flash guy at the time. Um, yeah, and I did I did lots of stuff on Nike.com. Um, Never on the Nike SB site, which is you know what I'm what I'm all about. That's the really. ideal. Okay. Yeah, but um, no, that was it was good. A bit of, bit of flash and stuff. Um, and I'd like to do more. So you know, <laughs> Bathing Ape site. The Bathing Ape site is a very strange site. It's like um, a, an application that you download, isn't it? Rather than a website, which is just really unusual. And and you you know, if you're listening, you might want me to fix that for you. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the exclusive aura of the whole brand, but yes, if they're if they're listening, they should hire you to Definitely, pull that I'll, up. I'll, I'll do it standards for. Standards I mean, I'll do it for a couple of pairs of rare, rare sneakers and a, and a shark hoodie. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I'd be happy with that. <laughs> well, thanks, Dan. Hope to see you again, maybe in London next. Okay, cheers. <laughs> The Rails Podcast is sponsored by my side project, Peak Code Screencasts. Check out new episodes on caching and benchmarking with HTT Perf together with Zed Shaw. PeepCode.com.